Bibles back over to the Gospel of John, John chapter 15 tonight. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'll be glad when we all get all these vacations done and over with so we can all be back in the same room together. Amen. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Vacation, that's a good thing. That's a godly thing. Praise God. Soon we'll be back in the flow of kids at school and all, maybe, (laughs) I, I hope so for I homeschool, we, we homeschool ours, so they don't have a choice about it, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. John chapter 15. Father, we look to you today for utterance and instruction. Glory to God, if there was ever a time where it was necessary for your children to be skillful in the prayer life, it is now. And I just so thank you for accelerating our development. Glory to God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, it is your longing, it is your great desire to do for your children. But you require skillfulness, we have a part in it. And much of that part is learning how to appropriate the promises, the blessings of God by faith in prayer. And so I thank you, Father, that we are, with your help, we are doing what you said. We are bringing prayer to the forefront. Glory to God. All the different types all the different flows of prayer, we're bringing it to the forefront and we'll eat the fruit of doing so. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in us tonight, what we're going to learn in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, last Wednesday, if you recall, uh, I began teaching a lesson on five keys to praying effectively. Five keys to praying effectively. We only got through two of those keys, so we want to Uh, progress in that tonight. And so if you were not here or missed it or whatever, we encourage you to go back to the podcast, to our website, to the app, whatever, our YouTube channel, and go in and rehearse all that. Uh, I will go over just briefly the two steps that we did cover. But let's read John chapter 15, verse number 6, 7, and 8. Jesus said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Uh, you know what this tells me? That it's uh, pretty readily visible uh, how our fellowship is with Jesus. Amen. How I many you know when you, 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 you walk out in the yard, if you're paying attention at all, you, you, you notice something. What is up with that tree, right? What's up with that branch? Oh, that branch died. What happened to that branch? You know, it's withered. It's dry. It doesn't have the leaves on. It doesn't have the vibrancy before. And a lot of Christians look like that, right? And uh, so our fellowship with Jesus is going to show, but our want of fellowship with Jesus is going to show too. Amen. How many of you know, you would know, you would know if pastor didn't gel his hair. You would just know it. If I forgot, I rolled out of bed and I got be, I did everything, but I got away from the house without doing it. my hair every morning. You know, the way I sleep, got a calc in the back. This thing sticks up, Whoop, you know, and, and so you would just know it. Amen. Praise God. Well, spiritual people, people that are paying attention, we're going to know pretty quick whether or not you've been hanging out with Jesus or not. 
Amen. You remember the, uh, the early, uh, in the book of Acts, the apostles, when they were arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin to be interrogated and intimidated because they had the gall to be used to God to heal a man. And, uh, you know, they interrogated him and they, you know, they had the man standing there. They couldn't say much about it and they wanted to threaten him. But they noticed and it said that they had, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It was just evident. It was evident that Peter and John, they had been with Jesus. In other words, their fellowship with the Lord showed up to strangers, to people who didn't even know Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. I do not want to live my Christian life as a withered branch. Amen. So Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, maintain a living connection with me, trying to help you understand what he means by that, then we are cast out as a branch and we are withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now, why? Because the branch is dead weight. The branch, you know, when I, I've got a lot of trees on my property and when I find a dead branch, if I can reach it, I'm going to cut it off because it's going to hinder the growth of the tree. It's going to try to suck life, even though it's dead, uh, away from the living part of the tree. And it's, it's not good for anything. See, it's our fellowship with Jesus that makes us good for something. That makes our lives fruitful. Uh, and meaningful to others in this life. Amen. You know, many people say, I want to be used of God, want to be, and we should. We, we ought to all want to be used of God. But you know, God uses all He can. And it's through our, it's through our personal fellowship with Jesus that's going to determine how much to what degree He can use us. Well, I've got talent. Well, <laughs> are you abiding? Amen. With Him. Verse 7, notice what Jesus said. He repeats it again. If you abide in me, and then he adds these very important words, and my words abide in you. So there are two things here. This is not unconditional. And this is, this is talking about our, our prayer life, our, how to get answers in prayer, how to be effective in prayer. Number one, you have to abide in him. You can't be a stranger to Jesus and have answered prayer on a regular basis. That's just not the way that works. But then going beyond just having personal connection and fellowship with God, that's paramount. You have to have taken the time to put His words in you. If my words, Jesus said, abide in you. I believe the Amplified Classic says, if my words have made their home in you. Amen? Amen. Now you can know a scripture, have mentally memorized a scripture, and voiced agreement with a scripture, and that does not mean that verse abides in you. Amen. In other words, you have got to have fed on that and meditated on that verse till it becomes an inner part of your consciousness. It is who it is part of who you are now. Amen. And uh, even you could have seasons where you've done that and then maybe you've just gone on and had other spiritual focuses or whatever. And what was a living word becomes stale to you. And so you have to go back and recultivate. Amen. This is what we must just understand and accept and decide. I'm going to enjoy it. This is the way it is. This is what a Christian does. We, we meditate in the Word. We are people of the Word. We read the Word. We quote the Word. We stand on the Word. We sing the Word. We are people of the Word. Amen? Hallelujah. I mean, you might know what 1 Peter 2.24 says, but that doesn't mean that Word is living 
on the inside of you. And it's meditation. That's how you get a, a scripture, a truth, a promise from God on the inside of you. Amen. And that takes a little bit of time, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes a little bit of time to do that. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if these two things are in place, what did he say? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Amen. Didn't say it might. It said it will be. Praise God. So just based on this verse, if we're being ineffective and spotty in our prayer life, we've got two things we can look to. Is the Word sufficiently abiding in us in that area? Amen. And is our fellowship with God where it ought to be? All right. Praise God. Go to John chapter 16 for a moment. Let's look at something else Jesus said about prayer. Glory. So in verse 23, Jesus said, And in that day, and we're in that day now, And in that day you will ask me nothing. People may stumble over the simplicity, but let's go over it. Amen. It's the simple foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's what the Bible says, right? Do you make your request to Jesus? No. Do we pray to Jesus? No. We don't. Can we talk to Jesus? Yes, in that sense we do. I talk to Jesus every day. Amen. But the the flow prayer we're talking about now, just so you know, is the prayer to change things or the prayer to receive something specific from God. The prayer of faith. The prayer of petition. The prayer to change things. This is what we're looking at uh, teaching on. We want to be effective in that. Right? I need healing. I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to get healing. I need finances. I'm going to pray for finances. I'm going to get finances. Specific things that I need to get from God. Right? Do we ask for those things of Jesus? Jesus said, in that day, you will ask me what? Ask me nothing. Well, who do we ask then? Well, it tells us, right? He tells us, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name... He will give it you. Could it be that simple? Oh, Jesus, help me with my finances. He didn't say ask him about finances. Oh, Jesus, I'm so weak. Please strengthen me. He He didn't tell you to ask him for strength. We need something specific from God. He said, in that day, you'll ask me nothing. But you shall ask the Father... In the name of Jesus, and He will give it you. So that is the proper order for prayer to get things to receive from God. We ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Everybody got that? I know that's simple, but when let's not stumble over the fundamentals. We ask the Father in the name of Jesus for what we want. And if we're abiding in Jesus and His Word abides in us, then we can ask of the Father. And what did it say? Look how positive it is. It says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. He didn't say might. He didn't say hope for it. 
He said he will give you. Let's keep reading. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask. So there's another very simple thing. Don't just be counting on, well, you know, my father, the Bible says, God knows what I need even before I ask. That's true. But you still have to ask. Right? Well, if the father wants me to have it, he's God, he'll give it to me. You hear this kind of thing. Well, I'm just going to go to the interview and if God wants me to have that job, I'll get it. And if he does not, well, do you want it? The way I approach the job is I always ask and claim the offer. And then once I have the offer, I can ask God, now, Father, I've got this offer. Should I, should I take it or not? I like and do that with every job you apply for. And then instead of having to take, to take one crappy job, excuse my French, little one, sorry. Then you've got five offers there and you can pray and take the one God tells you to pick. That's a better way to do it. Amen. But notice he said, ask. We were to faith people. We make simple mistakes. We go along and I just hypothetically, hey, Brother Cody, be sure to agree with me about that thing we talked about. And you go, okay, Pastor. And he walks away and I go my way. But are we in agreement? We're not in agreement. Matthew 18, 19 says, if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done for them by their Father in heaven. See, you have to ask. So if you're going to pray the prayer of agreement, you have to ask. And you actually have to both of you agree. I remember a time uh, when I first started dating Amber. uh, She was driving a 1970 what? A 1979 black rusted out. It was. I mean, it was rusted from the top to the bottom, girl. Well, you didn't get wet, I guess. You know, it wasn't that rusted. I didn't like the car. You liked the car. Your mom liked the car. It was a sweet little car. And I mean, it is kind of a little classic car. But I, anyway, and so she drove, she was driving that and we dated and, and, uh, but, uh, and you drove several years and then we, we got engaged. We started, uh, uh, talking about getting married. We, she and we, we agreed we're going to get rid of this car. Well, she thought, if I remember, you wanted 5000 for it. And I looked at the car and I thought, I wouldn't give $100 for this car, you know, so... <laughs> And, uh, so I just thought that was a lot for that car. And, uh, but she, no, no, and I know it's worth it, Chris, and let's get an agreement with me. And so we, we grabbed hands and any two of you, you know, touch and agree concerning anything that they shall ask about shall be done. And we, but inside me, I went through the motions with her, but inside me, I was not in agreement that God was going to be able to get 5,000 to us for that car. So we went a number of weeks. And nothing happening. No bite. No bites at the apple. That the car didn't sell. And so she uh, she must have asked me or something came up in conversation. Oh, you know how come this hadn't sold yet? And I said, Well, honey, I just I I'm sorry. I have to confess. I, I I'm not in faith about that. I, I'm just not in agreement about that. And so we just what did we end up thirty five hundred or something for it for it? You know, we lowered it an amount where I could get an agreement. See, her faith is at a higher level, but she had to come down. If she wants me to agree with her, she had to come down to where, to my level. Amen. 
Little tip, when you're praying the prayer of agreement, look for someone who's in faith on a higher level, not a lower level than you. Amen. Or don't try to convince someone to pray the prayer of agreement on your level, especially when it affects them. Maybe you have faith, you, you have faith, they're healed, they don't need this surgery. And you want them to agree, and they're the one that needs the surgery. And they have faith that God will safely see them through a successful surgery. And you try to put pressure on them. No, find out where they are. It's better, find out where they are, and come down and get an agreement with them on that level. Amen? Because then it will work. And that's the point. We want our faith in our prayers to work. We want to pray effectively. So we, we got an agreement about whatever number. I mean, boom, the car sold. Amen? Now, every time my, I can't remember a time ever where she and I actually got in agreement about something that didn't come to pass. Dr. Dufresne was one. Now, we did, I didn't call him up about every prayer request I had, but on those big things, you know, he said, well, son, just hop on. I'll be glad to piggyback you. That's what he called it, piggybacking. You know, you can piggyback with people, praise God. And uh, everything he and I ever agreed on in prayer came to pass. Dr. Jacob said, Pastor Chris, love praying the prayer of agreement with you because everything I pray the prayer of agreement with you on with me, it comes to pass. Amen. But see, the thing is, you've got to follow the procedure. If any two of you on earth agree, so I guess this doesn't work on a space station. If any two of you agree on earth, concerning anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. Now it's interesting that word agree in the Greek means to harmonize together. It means to make the same sound. So if Brother Dakota and I are going to get an agreement about something, when we leave each other's presence... For the prayer of agreement to work, he's got to go off making the same sound. I've got to go off making the same sound until the thing comes to pass or it won't come to pass. If I get over here and get under pressure and start saying a different thing, he's over here in agreement, it won't work. So you need to be more selective in discerning about who you ask to pray the prayer of agreement with you about. Amen. We just need to give a little bit more thought to our prayer life. We don't want to make it mechanical, right? And legalistic. But at the same time, these scriptures are here for a reason. In that day, don't ask me anything. It doesn't mean you can't talk to Jesus. It doesn't mean, right? But he says, you ask the Father in the name of Jesus and he will give it you. You pray the prayer of agreement, two of you are agreeing together concerning a thing. You ask the Father and you agree and it will come to pass. Amen. Praise God. All right, so quickly. The first step, first key that I gave uh, last week about praying effectively is to, number one, establish yourself in righteousness. And I don't have time to go back and rehearse all that, but it's just vitally important that you... Do just that. You root yourself in the Bible truth of who you are in Christ. Because if you 
Don't renew your mind to who you are in Christ. You will carry an air, a consciousness of sin and unworthiness about you that will hinder you coming to God in faith. Amen? I mean, if you're just, you live with this awareness of you're a worm, you're, a, you're unrighteous, you're just unholy, you're just unworthy, then it's going to hinder you in your prayer life. Amen? Jesus' blood has made you right with God. You have to have faith in that. You have to have faith in the blood of Jesus and what, it, what He purchased for you. And on that legal basis, go before the Father, not as a worm, but as a forgiven, redeemed son or daughter of God. Amen? You ought to be able to go into your Father's presence with not a sense of arrogance or presumption or any of that about you, but just as comfortably and confidently as my children come into my presence and ask me for 20 bucks. Amen? I'm telling you, exactly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you, when my children come in a right, right heart and they're right before me and they're in good fellowship with me, it, it, it delights mom and I to do for them. Amen? The bigger, the better. Right? Praise God. God's the same way. And, uh, you know, it, it take a little doing. You know, there's work to the successful Christian life. You're going to have to put some effort in. Well, I work all day. Everyone does. Unless you're retired or whatever. Right? So you're going to have to put in a little effort every day uh, to put in a CD, read a book, get a scripture, get an index card, put it on your phone, meditate, you know, on a verse that's going to tell you who you are in Christ. Key number two is, it, it may sound like a contradiction, but it's not, and that is maintain a right heart and a clear conscience before God. Amen. So being right with God, being the righteousness of God, speaks to your legal standing with God. I have a relationship with God because Jesus purchased it for me. But now in my relationship, I have to conduct myself properly in that relationship with God and maintain a clean conscience and a right heart towards God. A lot of Christians, they are heaven bound, but they're not right. They're not right. They're not right morally. They're not right financially. They're not right in a lot of ways. Amen? And God expects us to live right and to be right. Amen? I love how, Pastor, you know, the whole uh, grace versus works dynamic. We are saved by grace and that not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? But once we are saved, I love what, how Pastor Nancy says it. Once you're in the family... Works are everything. It's not now we're in the family and then we earn everything. That's not it. But as a, I have a son, I have two daughters, and how they conduct themselves in my home matters to the quality of their blessing. Amen. Praise God. Because I'm, we're good parents and God's a good parent. And so we have legal standing, but we could live in broken fellowship. And so we just need to practice. When we realize we did something wrong or we violated the Bible somewhere, we just need to own up to it, tell that to God, confess it, be cleansed with the blood, and move on. Maintain a right heart toward God. Don't be content to walk around knowing you did something or knowing you should have done something and you didn't do it. 
and that's a sin unto you, and then just just act like you just ignore that. You can't ignore that. You've got to do the maintenance of your spiritual life. You have to confess, own up to it, receive cleansing, and then move on. And just do that as a lifestyle, right? Now let's talk about this third key. The third key about praying effectively is to build your prayer life on the Word of God. Brother Hagin would tell us this. He would say, when you get scriptural, you'll get results. If you're praying and you're making requests of God, but you are not getting results, it's, it's no doubt because you are not adequately scriptural. Amen. Amen. Uh, do you know a good percentage of the prayer requests we get, we can't pray. And we don't. So every Thursday morning we pray. Uh, if we get prayer requests and we go through and there's just, you know, things that they're not scriptural. I cannot pray them. How many of you know, I cannot pray to make the devil leave you alone. Pastor, pray that the devil will leave me alone. You want me to pray to kill you? You want me to pray that you'll die? You want me because as long as you're on this planet, you're going to have trouble with the devil. Pastor, I'm tormented in my mind. Pray that I'll have peace in my mind. I, I can't pray that you'll have peace in your mind. You're going to have to do something with your mind. You're going to have to guard your mind. You're going to have to defend your mind. You're going to have to uh, cast down thoughts and imaginations because I just can't pray you into peace while you live undisciplined with your mind. And you just accept every thought that comes. You worry about everything. You're negative in your thing. (laughs) I can't pray those prayers. Amen. For our prayers to be effectual, we need to have Scripture to back them up. This is why Jesus said, If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask whatever you will. Now, some people are thought, Pastor, that... That can't be right. There's got to be something wrong with that. Ask whatever you will. Whatever you will. Well, then I'm going to ask for so-and-so's wife. Because I want her. No, listen. If the Word of God is in you, you wouldn't ask a squirrely, ungodly thing like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you adequately have the word, well, bless God, then I'm just going to ask God for 10 million oil wells. You don't... I had a guy one time, I sat in his service, and uh, he got up mocking word of faith. You know, the name it, the claim it, the blab it, the grab it. He goes, I'm going to prove it to you right now, it doesn't work. Right now, in this platform, in your company, I claim a Cadillac. As, and then he waited with a mocking tone on his face, waiting for the Cadillac to appear. And then after 10 or 15 seconds, he said, see, it doesn't work. I, even I, as, as new and green to spiritual things as I was, knew that wasn't right. That's not what Jesus meant. When he talks about ask whatever you will, he's already said that you've got the Word of God. You're abiding in Him. His word is alive in you, and you're not going to ask for anything outside of the word. Amen. I know these things, Pastor. We're beyond this. this no, but people are not. People are not beyond this. 
or they'd have more testimonies of prayers answered. We have to ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and you better have a scripture (laughs) that promises you the thing that you're expecting God to do for you. Well, I believe in healing. I believe, well, healing is right. What scripture are you standing on? Well, none in particular. Well, that's what you're going to get. Nothing in particular. Yeah. We talked about some of these things in the Connect class. And, and people just, they're sincere, but they make silly mistakes. So, you know, they, they hear me or they hear somebody else relate you know, you could hear me talk about the time that I had that serious issue with my left leg and I was on narcotics for a period of time. The pain was so intense. The doctors, I, you know, I remember that doctor. It was like the third test of the day. And he said, well, you're my, you're my secret of the day. I can tell something's wrong, but I can't tell what it is. And la, 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 la. And my testimony is, you know, I, I, he sent me over to the hospital, said, we're going to light you up with these uh, nuclear isotopes. That didn't sound very good. And we're going to make you swallow something and then you're going to light up on the ends. All your bones are going to light up because of what you're going to swallow. And we're going to put you in a special machine and it'll get more accurate images. And maybe that's a safe procedure, but I'm sitting there. I've already paid $1,200 in tests for them to tell. I paid $1,200 for them to say, something's wrong, but we can't, we don't know what it is. $1,200. I mean, I could have gone and had a good time at the mall and, and, and you know. I mean, I'm like the woman with the the issue of blood. I spent all my money and I'm no better. And I know they're doing the best they can. And I'm sitting there waiting. And this test is going to cost me $1,500 probably. And I just sat there and I said, now this is me. Don't see this is what people make. And I went up to the counter and I said, ma'am, you can just take my name off the list. I'm not getting this test going home. Thank you. God bless you. You know, and I just went home. And I got, so I, what I did, this last, this went on for about two weeks. I took my narcotic to get the pain down. I propped my leg up on the couch, turned the TV off. I got uh, E.W. Kenyon's book called Jesus the Healer. I got Pastor Nancy's yellow book called The Healer Divine. I got my Bible out and all evening, that's what I did for two solid weeks, was feed my faith on healing scriptures. Well, faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, one Saturday morning, we're going to go uh, take a look at the horse we did end up buying uh, for my daughter's name, Sam. He's out at the farm now. And uh, it was wintertime, icy roads. We're going to pull a trailer and we're planning on going. And uh, I swung over on the bed and faith rose up in me. Faith comes by hearing. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to pray for it. Faith comes by hearing. And this is the way it came out of me. I said, all right, Father, here's what you're going to do. I said, if you didn't want me to expect you to heal me right now, you should not have written it down where I could read it. So I said, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to get up. I'm not taking the crutches. I'm not taking the medicine. I'm going to get up from here. I'm going to take steps. I'm healed. And that's the way it is. And so I stood up to my feet and it hurt. And I took a first step and it hurt. And I took the second step and it hurt less. And I took the third step and all that pain left. And it never did come back, never is coming back. Amen. Now, people could hear that and go, they get a pain in their leg and they go, I remember what Pastor Chris said. 
and then go, God, here's what you're going to do. And they might break their leg. I mean, they might, because I did that inspired by the faith of God that was produced by the word of God that I spent two weeks putting into my heart. Now, healing for you is, is, is right for healing for me. And my testimony is helpful in the sense that if you will do what I really did, which is get into the word for yourself and not skip steps and feed on the word of God, faith will come to you just like it came to me. It may manifest differently in you, right? He may prompt you. I mean, a holy boldness, faith rose up and I said, I take it. I take it right now. I wasn't meaning to be arrogant with him, but I was just saying, I am laying hold and I have an expectation. You're performing your word for me now. And he did. Right? But we can't do presumptuous things. What is the difference between faith and presumption? Maybe a fine line, but do you know? A lot of Christians, they brought reproach on faith. Because they did something and they told everybody they're doing it by faith and they flopped. Then they say faith doesn't work and then people agree with them because they saw how faith didn't work. But faith always works. Some people are not in faith at all. They're, they're in presumption. They're in, what's the difference between faith and presumption? What is presumption? Assuming, assuming, assuming is not faith. If you presume to show up uninvited and come in through my door and get in the refrigerator and I come home and find you and you say, well, I'm here eating by faith. I, I, I believed that you wouldn't mind. Well, you're going to find out you weren't in faith. You were in presumption. I'm going to kick your little booty out of what you're not. You assumed but if I said, hey, even though I'm, I'm not going to be there, go ahead and come on in. Make yourself a sandwich. I'll be there in a few hours. Now you can move in faith. What's the difference between faith and presumption? Eating a Cody sandwich in my living room by faith or presumptuously. What's the difference? You have the word. You have the word. You had a word from Chris that it was okay. So if you do something without a word and call it faith, it's really presumption and that's why it fails. You cannot do something apart from the word. This is why our uh, key number three is to be effective in prayer. You've got to have a word. You have to have a word. Now, thankfully, I don't think it's happened, but if, if some other preacher... Uh, looks at what God has done for us and what God has done for Amber and I. And he goes, well, bless God, I got to stay in power. I, I'm going to go build us a building. I'm going to go buy land on a nice part of town. I'm going to go build a building. Well, you might die. You might lose everything. Because this works and worked because I had a word. Do you get it? So it is not enough to say, I believe in healing. So I, I believe in healing, therefore I'm healed. No. No. You have to go to the Word yourself and feed on it. 
Are y'all with me tonight? You getting that? I know it sounds simple, but people want to skip this step. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. You know, Pastor, I think I'm going to give a car, my car away and God's going to give me a new car. Did God tell you to give your car away? See, that's the whole thing. Go ahead and give your car away. We'll all find out. We'll all find out whether God, right? You know, God never fails and faith, no, faith doesn't fail. If you went out there and you started a business and went bankrupt, you bought a house and you couldn't pay for it, right? You took your glasses off and stomped on them. Now, could you, you could do that in faith and at work. Or you could do that. And we'll all have to lead you by the hand till you get a new pair of glasses. What's the difference? What did God say to you? Well, I have the written word. You do. But have you made that written word yours individually? Well, I know it's in there somewhere. That won't get her done. I don't want to move to step four until you get step three. Everybody got step three? You're going to be praying about something specific. You better have a scripture that promises you, that validates the very thing that you're asking God for. Now, see, we all have a right to claim a spouse. He who finds a spouse, he who finds a wife, finds a good thing. It's not good for man to be alone. But what you can't do is claim that spouse. You know, people at Ramah, I didn't go to Ramah, but you hear these, these stupid stories about students. And, uh, you know, this one student I'm thinking of went up to Brother Hagen and said... Uh, Hey, Brother Hagen, I wanted to point out, you see my fiancé over there. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one I'm going to marry. You're getting married. And Miss Lynette, you know, Miss Aretha was standing there. Really, what's her name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You've been on a date. No, I've not been on a date. I just, I, I claimed her based on Mark eleven twenty three. You said I could have what I say. That's my wife over there. Would you agree with me? Oh. Well, see, she's got a part to play in that. It's like he said, you may get it. You never even been up close to her. You might get up close and find out that she's got a big wart right here. You don't want that, you know. You know what I mean? You never even gone on a date. You have a right to claim a spouse by faith, but you don't have a right to point at one. And claim them like you're at a cattle auction. It just does not work like that. Right? Now, Amber and I were on her first date. And the Holy Ghost said to her while we were in the car going from one location to the other in our, on our date, this will be the one you marry. But, you know, she wisely did, kept that to herself. She did not turn to me and said, I just heard from God. I might have just pulled her over on the side of the interstate, threw her in park and said, you need to get on out of here. Because I, if anything, I'm just a spiritual babe. That would have freaked me out. People do weird things. Amen. Well, I'm just... Uh, uh, I know the surgeon said, I need, a, I need a triple bypass, but I'm not going to have it. 
I'm just in faith about it. Oh, you know, you, are you? Are you really? Are you sure? What's scripture? Did God tell you? Because if he didn't, we're all going to find out. You'll drop dead somewhere. And then some goofy person doesn't know anything. Say, God took, God took brother so-and-so. No, God didn't take brother so-and-so. Brother so-and-so was stupid. Here life, brother stupid so-and-so. Who behaved himself presumptuously and foolishly before God. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Y'all are, y'all are real quiet tonight. This is a real simple, good message on teaching on how to get a prayer answered. Y'all are just being real quiet. Maybe you're thinking about all the foolish stuff you did. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11. I, was, I recently had the privilege of being in a service with Brother Keith Moore. First time ever to be in a personal meeting with him. Got to meet him, got to be in the back room, got to talk to him. So great privilege. And in the service, he pointed this out. Uh, and I like it. I'm going to point it out too. Hebrews 11 verse uh, 27. And it says, by faith. How? We're talking about Moses. By faith, he forsook, e- forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they, meaning the Israelites. Now, how did they do this? They did it by faith. They did it by faith. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so. King James says, assaying to do so, or meaning trying to do so, were drowned. Do you all get it? By faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians attempting to do so, to do what another group did by faith, So what was a miracle of deliverance to one group was an agent of judgment and destruction on the other group. How many of you know you cannot attempt to do, by faith in quotes, what you see some other brother or sister do, by faith in quotes? They started a business and it worked. And they're really prosperous. I'm going to start a business. Did God tell you to start a business? Did God tell you to go in the ministry? Did God tell you to buy that? Did God tell you to date that person? Did God? Faith comes by hearing what God says to you. Amen. So how did they do it? How did the Israelites do it by faith? They were told. Moses was told, stretch forth your rod over the water. And then when the water stacked up. Now listen, nobody ever did this. Nobody ever saw this. Nobody ever saw water part like this. And the sea stack up and the, and the, the seabed go instantly dry. No, they're having to do something. No one else has ever seen. No one else has ever done. 
And to my knowledge, that well, I mean, they had other times when they crossed the River Jordan, la, 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 a few other times. But to this, well, this is the first. And they did it. And they got to the other side. And here comes Egypt. Here comes Pharaoh and his army. And they watched. Well, they did it. If they can do it, we can do it. What was God's word to Egypt and to Pharaoh? Did they have a word? They, they had a word. They had a word. Let my people go. Could they have avoided this entire calamity on their nation? Could they, could they have? All they had to do. Now, they would have to do that by faith, wouldn't they? Because they had come to rely on those Hebrew slaves for cheap, free labor. So to let them go would affect, at least temporarily, their economy and the way their economy ran. But they had a word from God. Had they just, by faith, acted on God's word to them, God would have blessed the Egyptians. He would have helped the Egyptians. They would not have had to have rivers turned to blood. They would have not had to lose their firstborn. All would have been well. What can we have faith in? What did God tell us? And that's all. So all would have been well. Just let my people go. And the Israelites had a word go. And everything would have been fine. But when you see what happens when people want to buck up against the word. And they want to latch their faith onto somebody else's word. They want to presume upon God. Pharaoh and all of those Soldiers that had, they were dads, they were husbands, they were sons. They all drowned in the Red Sea trying to do by faith what they could not do by faith. Amen. We need to have a word from God. God's word is our foundation from faith. And it could be a word spoken by the Holy Ghost. Or the written word. Now the written word, you dig in there and you find it for yourself. Now what's the good? Okay, Pastor, then what's the good of hearing a testimony? What's the good of hearing you preach about healing or prosperity or any of these things? Because I'm, I'm pointing, I'm hopefully giving you an example of what faith does when worked properly. Amen. You could, you could see through whoever's given that testimony what faith accomplishes, and through the preaching of the teaching of the Word, we point out healing is part of your inheritance, and here's the Scripture. Divine protection, that's part of your inheritance, and here are the Scriptures. Amen? And we teach you, here's what faith is, believing that, how to get faith. Faith comes by hearing, how to release your faith. But if you want to have the fruit of faith in your own life, you have to leave and go do all of that. Highlight those scriptures yourselves. Feed on those scriptures yourselves. Hear from God. Let God speak to you about those scriptures yourself, Himself, in your union with Him. And then act on those scriptures yourself. You put your faith to work on those verses. And then you'll have your own testimony. And many of you are very good at the faith life. But let's 
David prayed to the Lord in Psalms and he said, Father, keep thy servant or keep me from presumptuous sins. From just going out and doing things and committing ourselves to things and starting projects, so much of where we get into trouble is we do something we want to do and then after the fact we ask God to bless our thing. We invest and then we ask God to bless our investment. We make a purchase and then we ask God to fund it. We, we, We get in a relationship and then we start talking to God about whether this is right or not. So much easier to hear from God ahead of time. Amen? Amen. Well, we got through one more, didn't we? Hallelujah. You can stand to your feet tonight. Glory to God. We're becoming more effective. Amen. What did we learn tonight? We prayed to the Father.